Hello everyone, uh, good evening, good morning, I uh, hope everyone is doing well and welcome back to the Bundesliga show. Um, yes, we are back for a match day 12 uh, review, myself and Peter, the returning Peter, uh, the ever-present Peter at the moment, so welcome <laughs> back Peter, how are you doing? I'm doing great, It's as always it's a pleasure to spend an hour with you talking about uh, the greatest football league in the world, in my biased opinion. Absolutely, in my biased opinion, agreed as well. Um, no Mark this evening. Uh, he is otherwise engaged. So, yeah, myself and Peter will be going through, uh, you know, all the biggest and most important talking points and action from uh, the weekend's action just gone. Loads of goals, uh, loads of action, some big and significant late goals going in everywhere. Um, so, before we get into that, uh, just a little bit of admin as per usual. So um, we are in partnership with brilliant Bundesliga boxes who uh, round about now have probably run out of their Christmas um, boxes. But do do go onto the website, check them out on Twitter just in case they've got some left. Uh, I think Batch, uh, their latest batch as well, is running low on stock. So again, get yourself over there to make sure you get yourself an early Christmas present or uh, get someone else that you care about, something sorted just in time. Uh, and of course, Peter as well is from Bully News, who as well we are in partnership with. And the brilliant Runa and myself uh, had our fantasy football show on Thursday, just gone. Uh, really successful weekend for me, actually. I got 170 points from fantasy football, which is the best I think I've done ever. Um, so that was fantastic. Uh, so make sure you check us out on Thursdays. Um, well, before obviously the World Cup break to get those important fantasy football uh, updates and make sure you check out bullynews.com for everything in between fantasy football, long reads, tactical analysis, of course, provided by Peter. Um, have proper deep dive into that. So make sure you get ahead and uh, read match day 12 uh, tactical uh, review from Peter and everything else in between. And please do smash a like on the video, comment along, you know, say hello, uh, whatever your thoughts are on the team that you support, anything else in between. If you've got a question for myself, if you've got a question for Peter, we shall answer them uh, during this next 45 minutes or so. Um, so, yeah, and of course, press the red button and subscribe so you don't miss out on any of this fantastic content until uh, obviously we have our World Cup break, which, uh, you know, we're not really looking forward to having a break. We love the Bundesliga and we don't want it to stop. But uh, yeah, anyway, less about the World Cup, more about Bundesliga football, Peter. And uh, yeah, another crackers weekend as as per usual. Um, and I think it'd be quite a good place to start uh, with the Saturday Evening kickoff uh, with Frankfurt uh, playing Dortmund in what was really entertaining. Uh, game uh, obviously on the score sheet it looks like a close encounter and obviously it was a close encounter but um, how, how did Frankfurt lose that one? Um, well we probably will have to get into officiating controversies at some point um, it's not necessarily the favourite topic of, of Germans um, as you know and as some of our viewers know Germans grade the referees uh, in their uh, press recaps so this was not a good uh, weekend for Bundesliga refereeing. It was also a lot of VAR controversy. Uh, and Kicker magazine, uh, even their Umfrage der Woche, the, the survey of the week was whether or not VAR should be dispensed with entirely uh, after um, some of the mistakes that were made this weekend. 
According to Eintracht Frankfurt uh, sporting director Markus Kröscher, uh, VAR was at fault for this loss because uh, Frankfurt were the better team. They were by far the better team. They had an XG ratio pushing three to one. And um, everyone admitted this. You know, uh, Jude Bellingham admitted that Frankfurt were the better team. The score of the game winning goal did. Uh, the controversial play occurred in the 42nd minute of this match in which uh, Karim Adiemi pushed down Jesper Lindström in the box. Uh, there was a bit of a hectic scene. The ball had hit the post. There was a possible offside involved. Uh, but in any event, the uh, VAR team did not compel uh, match official uh, uh, Sasha Stegemann to take a second look. Stegemann has since admitted his mistake, so on and so forth. Um you know, having gotten that out of the way, it was a really fun match. I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought that Dortmund, uh, while they certainly uh, were not the better team, uh, really showed that in their new tactical setup with Julian Brandt as sort of a, a, a false 10 or pseudo 10, can really thrive. And, and Brandt scored another great goal. Uh, Bellingham does Jude Bellingham things, if, if I pardon the cliche. I don't know how else to put it. Um, so they did play overall a good match. And of course, Gregor Kobel, um, one of the reasons why Dortmund, one of the many reasons why Dortmund is, is always Wietzemeister, always the bridesmaid of the Bundesliga over the past few years, uh, has been that they never really did have the right keeper, you know, not in, in Holman Berkey, uh, uh, certainly. Mm -hmm. So a fantastic game from, from Kobel as well. Uh, a shame about the controversy. A shame that we didn't get more goals because Frankfurt could have nailed in about uh, three or four more. But uh, overall, a, a good match worthy of the of the top spiel. And it's it's my personal opinion that both of these teams, in the form that they're in, of course we had that World Cup break, but uh, you know they are both contenders. And in, in in my opinion, I think that they could both they could both challenge with the way uh, that they played. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a really interesting game, um, and yeah, Dortmund kind of uh, well, I guess they were clinical in their chances with an XG of under of under one, and they scored two goals, as you mentioned, Bellingham just doing Bellingham things, and, and Brand taking that chance uh, well. So Frankfurt, I mean, Frankfurt from a defensive point of view, you know, a couple of things maybe in both those goals that I saw personally. Well, I mean, it's not hard to spot the fact that Julian Brown was unmarked in in the area. Um, you know, so that obviously something for, for Frankfurt that they wouldn't have been pleased with. Um, on the reader, uh, kind of the match report uh, on the Bundesliga uh, website, um, they described the second goal as a, an incisive or a great pass from Mukoko into Bellingham. But... Uh, as um, as Sula plays it into him, Yasic, who's been playing really well as a centre back, as a kind of substitute centre back, uh, I thought he didn't do a lot of good things, but he made a rash decision to try and make the intercept, didn't make in, and kind of the pass goes into Belling and he does the rest. So a couple of things there that, that Frankfurt could have stopped, but you know it was just at the other end of the pitch where they're up against an inspired Gregor Corbel who. I desperately miss it, Stuttgart, my, my, my. Um, I was really sad to see him go, and I knew he would thrive. Um, you know, he's a great goalkeeper, and, you know, he was man of the match for them that 
the one near the end, I think, uh, against Kulamuani. I mean, he doesn't know an awful lot about it, to be fair to him. The one that comes off his heel, I think, yes. kind of goes out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, some amazing goalkeeping. So, Peter, you know, to kind of finish up on, on this game, it, I mean, Frankfurt can't take too much kind of disheartenedness from this. On another day, they'd probably score three or four, or, or do you think there are certain things from a tactical point of view that they maybe missed in that game? No, I mean, uh, Oliver Glasner is still in his, well, it depends on what you want to call it. It can be your, you know, a, a 3 6 1, it can be your 5 4 1, whatever. Um, the only difference was, of course, that Christopher Lenz was injured, so Luca Pellegrini had to come Pellegrini. in. Yeah, he did not have a good game defensively. Nice. did not have a good game defensively, neither did Jakic. Uh, but the offensive engine is absolutely purring. Kamada got a goal. He was fantastic again uh, from out of that uh, that sixth slot alongside Sebastian Roda. Uh, Linswin was great. Mario Goetze is in the best form that this makes German very, 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 very happy. Uh, in the best form that he's been in in years, more great pass uh, uh, pickouts. Uh yeah, I, I wouldn't really. There's not too many negatives for, for Frankfurt to take from that, uh, aside yeah. from some of the, the shaky defensive performances, which on a different day, well, they have a different day. They have a different day coming up, and I think they can feel confident uh, heading into their Champions League fixture. Absolutely. Uh, a couple of comments that have come in uh, on, in the chat, which we'll come to in a second. Um, I, one thing, that, again, just popped into my head, uh, and it's the form and kind of new, newish position for Daichi Kamada. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that me, myself and Mark have always talked about is the fact that he just lacked that clinicality in his game. Um, I think it sums up in why he scored, you know, seven goals this season mm-hmm. and combined in the last three seasons or so, he'd only may, maybe matched that number or, or it was certainly a similar level. So, Peter, is he thriving in this kind of deeper role? Because, you know, he was picking up the ball from the defence a lot on, on Friday. Yeah, he scored his goal uh, uh, and a really nice strike again. So is there anything in that that Glasner's kind of picked up with with that, you know, that partnership perhaps with Rilder as well? Yeah, you know, that's that's an interesting point. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that um, Kamada to me has always just been a fascinating player. Hmm. Um, ever since he, you know, for the past three seasons, he has always just been incredible. Um, his potential, he doesn't always realize his potential, that much is true. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what's so great about Oliver Glasner is, is that he's willing to move things around tactically until he gets what he wants. We've got Dine Bimbe uh, as a wingback, he's not trained there. We've got Jakic as a center back. Uh, we've got Kamada at the six, you know. Mm-hmm. So he moves players around uh, in all sorts of different constellations and seems to be able to bring the best out of them, even in, in positions where they're not ordinarily thriving. And Kamada, with his speed and with his technical ability, I think he can probably thrive anywhere on the pitch. But what Glasner has done at this stage this season is precisely what he did at this stage last season, is he found out his best 11 out of, uh, you know, after some experimentation, and he stuck with it. I mean, Glasner is saying he will not, he will fix the constellation, and then if it ain't broke, he will not tinker with it. And I think when he was with Wolfsburg, he famously rolled out the same 11, eight, nine matches in a row uh, in 2021. So that's what makes him a great uh, uh, head coach. And they, well, Frankfurt had the right man in the job. That's that's all there is to it. You know? And I, I hope, please, 
come on, please stay. I know he's been wanting, wanting to get out of the, the league for, for several years and, and go elsewhere. You know, I, I hope he doesn't do the Kostic uh, uh, next summer. I hope that he stays because we yeah. really love having him in the Bundesliga. He's, he's one of our great assets, I think. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, so I'll come to a couple of comments uh, in the live chat at the moment. Uh, Balam checking in and saying uh, good evening. Um, it says that he's surprised that Rory is dressed up as Hassan Hussle. <laughs> <laughs> With the baseball cap. Um, yeah, well, yeah, I, I aim to please. Um, so, yeah, thanks for spotting my obvious attempts to, to the like. Uh, good old Ralph. Um, and uh, and a couple of questions in from Balam as well. So, um, referring to obviously the fact that we speak about Jude Bellingham a little bit and mentioning Yusufa Mukoku, uh, who's 18 next month, um, you know, is he going to sign a contract with Dortmund? And I think this is kind of linked the next comment to it. Uh, do you see him going to Bayern, Liverpool, or? Uh, are these only rumours? Uh, so the player obviously will want minutes. Uh, obviously completely agree with that. Peter, what are your thoughts on um, Mukoku? Uh, do, you, do you see him trying to force the move at any point? Uh, he resisted all attempts at a contract extension this summer. And as a matter of fact, that was quite the saga. Um, there wasn't uh, a week in which I wasn't logging on to the Bully News portal to get caught up on the news where there wasn't something else about, you know, Mukoko resisting attempts to sign a contract extension. He's obviously a mega talent. Uh, we've we've known that he's a phenom for a very, very long time. I mean, the, the amount of goals that he scored as a 15-year-old uh, for Dortmund has, you know, has always presaged that he is, he is going to be, if he remains healthy, he had an injury little season last year. Let's not forget that. Uh, somebody who uh, could be the next uh, big thing. <laughs> Footballers of that talent level, the agents run the show uh, at that age. And his agent is not going to allow him to re-sign if there's any chance that he can jump up to the premiership. If he gets hurt again, that's a different story. Then maybe he re-signs uh, uh, for a couple of years. But... Um, I don't think that he's going to resign. Um, the, the latest story is that he's waiting till his 18th birthday to resign. That's pretty spurious sources on that. I don't think I'd buy that. That's coming out of Sport Food. Uh, so our, our main sporting tabloid, which gets a lot right, but <laughs> I mean, they, they get a lot wrong. Yeah, I, I, I don't see it, unfortunately. Um, you know, I think that uh, you're looking at a departure uh, for him uh, next summer, uh, just, as, just as the case with Bellingham. I mean, it's not, yeah. it was, you know, we'll take Job, I suppose, from Birmingham <laughs> and we'll ship you over Jude. Yeah, yeah. Why that's, not? We'll, that's just yeah. how it goes. <laughs> yeah, true. Maybe if we don't talk about it, it won't happen. Uh, so, yeah. I've, I've, that, I've been that superstitious before in my life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good stuff. Right. Well, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll move on then on to another game and, and maybe another team that, um, certainly maybe myself and Mark haven't covered too much uh, in recent weeks, maybe because of the lack of goals, generally speaking, that um, they've been involved with. But um, And talk about the Wolfsburg-Balkan match uh, and the fact that they were able to open up their, you know, their goal-scoring shoes or heads um, during, during the match against Balkan. Um, you know, uh, Wolfsburg have very quietly been on a, Okay, runner form. Uh, you know, they're well, they're six unbeaten now, including this big win for Nico Kovac. Um, and Balkan, you know, coming off the back of a 
a very impressive win against uh, table toppers Union Berlin, but they were brought back down to earth very quickly, um, you know, and Wolfsburg produced a very impressive performance. And I know um, you in your uh, recent um, article, Peter, picked out uh, Felix Nebecher, uh, obviously the, the lesser known brother, but maybe not lesser known for much longer after his performance at the weekend. Yeah, I mean, they were two uh, uh, set-piece goals. Um, he was, Niko Kovac surprised a lot of people by saying that Felix Nemecher was his best player on the pitch, his man of the match in the previous round. And now it appears there is something to it. He has his first brace. Um, mm. He nearly set up his brother, Lucas. Both of these are uh, Englishmen, by the way, who were stolen uh, <laughs> from the aisle, just like uh, Jamal Musiala. Sorry about that. Mm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that tactically speaking, Kovac has them where they need to be. It's a it's a five four one uh, or a four one four one, whichever you would prefer. The key is Maximilian Arnold, the Dresden native who has been with Wolfsburg for a long time. He is the captain. The skipper is excellent on both sides of the ball, also on set pieces. And uh, yeah, well, quite excited. I mean, you're not going to see Lucas. I don't think you see him get called up to the German national team during the World Cup break, not in the form that he's in. And yeah. Felix has just been with the with the U21s uh, thus far, so it's far, far too early for him. But we've got the two brothers playing, and he did come close to, to setting up his brother not once but twice in this match. So I think that, uh, yeah, they have a bright future. Wolfsburg probably has a very bright future the way that they're stable, they've stabilized and the way that they're playing right now. So it's uh, it looks good for what we like to call Germany's green company team up there in the northern Autostadt. I mean, we we yeah. Germans we have our fun with Wolfsburg. You know, we have <laughs> our fun joking about the ultras, joking about the attendance there at the Volkswagen Arena and, and things mm. like that. Um, but the truth is, is that um, we we actually do like the, the Wolfsburg ultras, the fans. They have a good sense of humor. They're fun to watch a match with. Uh, you know, it's not like with Hoffenheim or Leipzig or something like that. They're, 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 it's, it's good to see them succeed. And I think that they have a very talented team. I mean, last year, under the stewardship of both Mark Van Bommel and here's your Halloween scare, Florian Kohlfeldt. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, the, the talent was just wasted. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's good to see them thriving again. And I think we can expect big things from them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, certainly one thing that uh, struck a chord with me was during the match, you know, Wolfsburg displayed that they were the dominant team anyway, but from set pieces, as you mentioned, Felix getting uh, on the end of both of those, Maximilian Arnold, um, free kicks, whether it was direct or if they wanted to play, you know, work a better angle for themselves, which they did with the first goal um, versus what is a Balkan side that are struggling in most areas. But again, they struggled from set pieces themselves and conceded um, whether it's a league high or one of the, you know, the most amount of goals uh, so far in, in the division. So I, I guess, Peter, that was quite an easy thing for Nico Kovac to maybe target and, and use the strengths of, of his set piece deliveries. Uh, to, yeah. you know, to get those kind of free goals. Yeah, it was a shame to see Bochum take a step back because they really did an excellent job of beating Union at their own game last week. Yeah. Uh, you know, physical with the midfield duels and everything. Uh, but Strega and Fiesta and Losilia, they they really, you know, the, the Wolfsburg 
constellation is more of a bypass constellation. So they didn't get a chance to engage in those midfield duels. And that was problematic. And then uh, Thomas Lech <coughs> brought on uh, Ganvola, or Ganvula, I hope I'm pronouncing that name correctly, at the half uh, to try and get to, into a 4-4-2, and it just didn't work. I mean, I you know he, he tried to tinker a little bit too much when, when it became clear that his game plan wasn't going to work in the opening 45. Uh, you know, still like Bochum, still like their grit, still like their mix of Bundesliga journeymen that the nerds like myself and and, and you and, and perhaps some of our viewers are, are familiar with. Uh, but it just, I mean, they couldn't compete, not on this day. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's not not much else to kind of extract from that game really was there um just a Wolfsburg side who just had too much for them on the day and, and targeted them in all the right areas um good stuff so we'll, we'll move on to uh the game which again was a game that was hard uh to not miss um or hard sorry to miss uh in the fact that there were eight goals in it and six of them were for the champions and the records uh record champions at that who were rather starting to look uh, ominous uh, once more. Uh, maybe the World Cup break will come at a good time for the Bundesliga and not and not Bayern, um, who yeah, who put six past um, Mines, uh, the not so mighty Mines. Um, but um, yeah, it was a game that we were excited about. I think, uh, and um, I think uh, during the Bundesliga show um, last week, you and Mark were referring to. The possibility of who would start up front for mines, um, and whether in Ingvartsen would get the nod, and, and Johnny Burkhardt did. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a crazy game. Uh, Bayern started imperiously, um, and kind of only really gave mines, I mean, they literally gave mines their goals because of, um, New Bell's errors. Um, it wasn't a great weekend for substitute goalkeepers, was it? Um, really, some some of the replacement or the substitute goalkeepers that we have in this league, I think, have a like to be generous uh, at times. But anyway, Peter, you know, six goals. Um, what, what's what's going on with Chupo Motting? You know, they found this, uh, you know, a way of playing around him, and he's got. Goal, six goals in his last five or five in his last six, forget which way around it is. And six goals in his last five. Uh, and also, yeah. he had a goal and assist today. Uh, he had, or uh, over the weekend, he had uh, four shots on target, three assisted shots. We are in the grips of Chupo fever in the Bundesrepublik. Uh, we're very, very happy to see our boy. He is our boy, after all. He's a Cameroonian international, but he's a Hamburg native. He played uh, for Mainz. He played for uh, for Schalke. He uh, mm -hmm. before he uh, made that wonderful career choice to go over to Stoke. <laughs> so, um, we're of course. I mean, how to describe what Chupo is? The form that he's in right now, Nagelsmann. It just shows what a good trainer Julian Nagelsmann is. He is working Chupo to drop deep, hold balls up, pick out his colleagues. He's not operating like a classic nine. This yeah. guy could be a, a, a what Germans call a halb nine or a half nine. A half nine. He could be a pseudo ten, much in the way that the Gant um, is, is functioning right now at Dortmund. He has been amazing. I mean, of course, pretty much everybody on Bayern was was amazing on the day. We don't want to forget how great Kimmich and Goretzka were. 
Uh, Sadio Mane had his best game in a, in a Bayern Tricot, I think, since since round one. Mm. Rowie, good God, he was all over the place. He kept, uh, uh, you know, running up. Uh, the Moroccan was was sensational. Uh, Chupo is just. You wonder why Nagelsmann didn't didn't go for this earlier. You know, yeah. I mean, perhaps he needed some extra training sessions to get him sort of drilled in the type of football that he wanted uh, wanted him to play up top. Uh, but this is working out fantastically. Germans are loving it. Uh, as a diehard Africa football enthusiast who, you know, always covered the Africa Cup of Nations and was so sad to see Chupo uh, uh, sit it out uh, in 2017 when when, uh, when Cameroon won the title. You know, I, I just couldn't be happier for him. And I, I would like to take up cudgels for Mainz too in this game. I think that they played very, very well. Mm-hmm. The signing moment of that game was shortly after Musiala uh, achieved the 2-0. Uh, Burkhardt hit the crossbar and Jason Lee then hit the post. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were fighting back. Uh, they were fighting back after they went down 3-0. They were fighting back after it was 4-1. Uh, they really did not quit uh, in, until uh, the end. And I think Svensson made the right choice, maybe, as, as crazy as it sounds. Um, to to sit Ingvatsen because Chupomoting's on a scoring streak, so is Ingvatsen. The Dane mm-hmm. has he had scored in five or four consecutive matches. Now he scored in five consecutive matches. Yeah. Um, but Onisiwo's form is just so good, and uh, you know he wanted Onisiwo uh, operating as his uh, lead striker, and he didn't reunite Burkhardt and Onisiwo. They weren't actually uh, uh, paired. That was uh, it was Lee and Burkhardt who were. Interesting tactical selection. It came about as close to working as as, it can, as you can hope to get against Bayern uh, in their in their current form. And so, I mean, it was a it was a great game. Uh, I certainly enjoyed uh, writing a detailed report about it because there was great football from from both sides, and it was just exciting. It was definitely, I mean, in my opinion, the match of the weekend. I know you have your opinion on Stuttgart being the match of the weekend. We'll get to that uh, before too long. Um, yes, uh, maybe not as entertaining, but yeah, Bayern were playing some really amazing football. Um, you know, we're so on it from from the start. And as, as you rightly mentioned, you know, Chupo Motting is getting a lot and some well-deserved credit um, because he's just being, he, he was involved in so much of all of those goals as well. Um, and to get his, you know, his deserved uh, one right at the end, um, either confident, confidence boosting goal for the substitutes and 17 year olds, uh, Matthias Tell, um, Matthias Tell rather. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's no kind of, uh, Negative. Well, yeah. The only negative is the fact that New Bell looked shaky and shaky in goal and made a couple of mistakes. But you mean Sven uh, Ulreich, right? Sorry. You mean Sven Ulreich? Oh yeah, of course you do. Yeah. New Bell is in France, man. Yes, um, <laughs> getting my goalkeepers completely. Yeah. Um, yes. Actually, did you? What was your? Did you? Did you? What were your thoughts on that penalty call when uh, when Ulreich swiped uh, Burkhardt's face? Is that? But to be fair, I, I see this a lot in, in games. And I always think when, if it's my team on the receiving end of it, I think that's quite clearly foul play from the goalkeeper because they are so well protected as a species. Goalkeepers. Ah, yeah, that's well, a... <laughs> so, I, yeah, I, I thought, it, yeah, I thought it was a penalty. I thought he 
miss the ball and punch the player in the face. Um, yeah, it's amazing. But I, I, I see what you're saying. And that was, I mean, why, why did Burkhart take the penalty so quickly after getting smacked in the face? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, is who thought that was a good idea? I mean, if you just got smacked in the face, you want to go up against that same keeper? I mean, there's there's got to be something mentally going on there. That was, yeah. oh, well, they scored anyway. Two missed penalties. Yeah. Two goals from two missed penalties in that match. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah it was obviously yeah, Sadio Mane as well. Um, but yeah, uh, amazingly entertaining game as you always get in the Bundesliga and, and often with Bayern involved. Um, so yeah, they they returned to the, uh, the top of the table for the first time since early September. I think it I think it was um, all all briefly uh, into Union's heroics, but we'll maybe come to that. Uh, in a bit. Um, some more um, comments in from Ballum. So I just want to come to any of these that might be uh, a question. Um, so I think there is one here. Um, let's just pull this one up. Uh, lives are going by one man. RIP to the owner of Red Bull. Uh, football related question with Hoppy being old and Red Bull. The new head owner, do you think it will affect Leipzig in the future? Uh, Peter, so I need to send that over to you. Well, I mean, Leipzig are, in principle, anyone, locals can stand for the board in Leipzig, in principle. So what they do here is they have this sort of obfuscated 50 plus one uh, violation uh, that, that Germans are, are not particularly fond of. And uh, we were, many of us were tolerant of Leipzig because we went for 10 years without having a, uh, a team in the top flight from the former East, from the, Florida, the former DDF. So we were tolerant of Leipzig. Leipzig didn't get anywhere near as much hate as, as Hoffenheim did. And uh, for the record, I mean, I'm not somebody who would put Dietmar's face in the crosshairs or, or you know, uh, put up a, a, a Hohenzollern banner or something like this, but the essence of German footballing fandom and I say this as a long-suffering Kaiserslautern supporter, uh, and Schalke fans will tell you the same thing, is that we know that our teams are going to deliver us heartbreak, but we would rather they deliver us genuine heartbreak than have some shake come in or some rich guy come in and, and just immediately you know, buy all this stuff. And we're, we're quite stringent about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean... The, the Leipzig question is a little bit difficult to answer. Uh, you know, most of the sympathy for Leipzig is gone because we have a real East German team in the league now, in FC Union Berlin, mm-hmm. the club of Nina Hagen and Wolf Biermann. It doesn't get more East German than that in, 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 Köp- in Köpenick. Um, you know, we would be okay if uh, some locals stood for the board in Leipzig, but I really don't think, I mean, in principle, they can stand for the board. In principle, mm-hmm. everybody can stand for the board, but I don't think the Red Bull GmbH would allow for that. Okay, this is a uh, Austrian company that has a lot of money invested, uh, and they have a system. They have a system all over the world in Salzburg and New York and things like this. I don't think that uh, uh, the Red Bull GmbH, which is an Austrian company, we're not happy about Austrians interfering in German business for obvious historical reasons. I don't think that they're going to al- allow uh, fan ownership uh, to take place there in Saxony, even though in principle it's possible. It's possible. Mm-hmm. In you know, in in several years, 
the the locals, some some more local uh, fan societies and supporters groups could get involved. They could get on that board, and they could uh, influence Leipzig as a club. It's possible, and it could happen in Hoffenheim too, because uh, Hop is an elderly man, you know. <laughs> yeah. So in in both of these cases, these could be transformed into fan-owned clubs. I would I would say that's. But because they're backed by companies, Red Bull GmbH in Leipzig and and SAP in in uh, in Sinsheim there, how does it happen? Okay, we have our company teams, Leverkusen and Wolfsburg. They are non fifty plus one teams. Mm-hmm. It took us a long time to accept them, um, and I don't see you know too many Germans accepting Leipzig and Hoffenheim unless more fans uh, are involved on the grassroots level. And that's what has to happen. And they're going up against companies. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really interesting take that, Peter, because obviously from, you know, from from my perspective, English background, where we see a lot of it more in, you know, in the English game. And it's not widely accepted, but people just kind of see it. You know, they just feel as if it's inevitable, whereas obviously the model in Germany prevents that to a certain degree. Um but yeah, it's interesting your thoughts on Leipzig and, and Hoffenheim. I mean, would you say one is more likely than the other to have, you know, uh, a local kind of representation to it eventually? Or would you say that, that you know, both of them really don't have a chance? It, obviously, as your theoretical. Leipzig more probably has more of a chance than Hoffenheim because uh, Hoffenheim is um, uh, based in a, in a smaller, I mean, we call them the Sinsheimers. They're really a team from Sinsheim, not from yeah. Hoffenheim. Um, but it's that's a smaller town and it's a bigger company. Uh, Leipzig is a larger town, uh, um, but also a multinational. Well, both SAP and, and Red Bull GmbH are, are multinational companies. Yeah. Hopefully, we're not boring everybody to tears with this. <laughs> with this talk. I find it a fascinating subject, um, and I, I enjoy getting uh, English uh, views on it as well. I mean, you know, uh, many uh, uh, English people say, oh, we would love a 50 plus one structure. But then something like Newcastle happens and, and everybody's, you know, out on the streets in in, uh, <laughs> you know, in Arab Empire and things like that. So, I mean, I find this a fascinating discussion. Uh, I'd love to have it with anybody anytime, of course. Yeah. But we, we are reviewing the match day, of course. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe it can be a show for, for, for a, you know, for a future day where we're doing our talking point and it, we can really focus on that for a full show because it would be a really fascinating thing to really dive, you know, dive into um, and comparing models and stuff. But yes, um, we'll, we'll kind of get back to the match review. But yeah, thank you for your question anyway, Balam. Uh, really sparked some interesting, some interesting thoughts there, which is great. Um, and yeah, so we'll kind of move on to uh, a game that involved a very late goal, an important goal. Um, I'll try and say that without smiling too much. Um, and yeah, it, it was um, an important win for VfB Stuttgart um, over FC Augsburg, um, you know, which helped the, the home side um, leap out of the relegation zone uh, for now. Um and felt like a really um, big moment uh, in in the well in the season to date. Um, but 
as dramatic as the game and, and the last-minute goal was to, to win the match, um, and despite being 1-0 down very early on, um, I thought it was a really good performance um, from, from the home side. And I'll, I'll gladly pass over to you in a minute, Peter, uh, for your thoughts. But um, other than, you know, the the defensive slip from Zagadou, uh, who, again, I've got my own thoughts on as a, as a signing, um, Stuttgart, you know, I don't, I haven't checked what their XG was, but I imagine it must have been pretty high because they should have scored more than two goals. Um, and I thought were well justified winners of that match. Um, Peter, what, what are your thoughts on this game? Uh, there actually was uh, three to, I believe, Augsburg's uh, 0.75. So it was a big, uh, as a Stuttgart fan, you have plenty of reason uh, to be smiling. Uh, after this result, um, Michael Vima, the interim trainer, he sort of stumbled onto uh, a 4-4-2. He was, he was forced mm-hmm. to uh, reorganize because Kostos uh, Mavropanos was, was not available. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the, uh, the early slip from Zagadou that allowed Niederlechner to score. That was probably the only criticism really I had of, I mean, besides finishing problems. Uh, mm-hmm. But... Uh, you know, it, it's a re- it was a really good 4-4-2. Watahu uh, uh, Endo with uh, Ahamada, that was an excellent pairing in midfield. Ahamada has has just been fantastic. I you know he, I remember when he first came on the scene in the Bundesliga uh, 2021, and he was the spring, and he just simply was not ready. I mean, he was yeah. it, it, he was making mistakes left and right. He's really matured and developed as a player. Um, it was. You know, what did they have? They had two efforts cleared off the line. Uh, yeah. One yeah. Uh, plus Luca Pfeiffer hit the crossbar. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus uh, Gui uh, um, uh, missed uh, a, a sitter and also tried to get a little too fancy with that overhead bicycle kick. What a what a, that would have been. Um, but I really think that they played well. They played excellently. Um, unfortunately, they weren't able to break that curse of they still haven't scored from a corner this year. But damn, did they come close? Uh, you know, uh, Endo got a, a chance in Ito, who we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. One of the better matches that I saw for him. I really, really like this 4 4 2 from Vima. Um, uh, Valdemar Anton was filling in uh, at, uh, at oh, right yeah. back. He was. Um, but Mavropanos can play right back in a 4-4-2. Mm-hmm. I mean, he comes forward all of the time, even when he's yeah. three. Uh, so I hope that they stick with this, really. And uh, I think that this this could have some real potential. I mean, you got Borna Sosa back at the fullback position. You got Silas on the wings. You got Friorich uh, operating opposite Silas. He's probably a better axial partner for him than Sosa is because the stagger is just simply too complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh Lots, a lot to be pleased with in this match uh, for Stuttgart, and also the, the shout out to the fans, the Kamstata Kurva, for their for their great choreo uh, before kickoff. Um, probably Schalke had a great choreo uh, before kickoff. So did the yeah, Bayern as well. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, great uh, great stuff from the the Neckerstetter there in, in Wuppenberg. I, uh, wonderful job from them. Yeah, yeah, it was really impressive. Um, and yeah, the late goal was completely and utterly well deserved and needed quite desperately. Um, and some 
important games to come as well um, uh, in a couple of games' time. Sugar play Hertha, uh, which will be a fascinating contest, I think, uh, before that Friday night's um, game this weekend is is Stuttgart Gladbach. So really interested to see uh, how how they fare it in that one. Um, from an Augsburg point of view, then Peter, um, you know that just at the moment developing this rather annoying habit of throwing uh, their leads away, or not throwing them away, but having their leads kind of dissipated in these matches. Um, anything kind of from a tactical point of view that you spotted, whether, you know, it's something that they're not kind of getting themselves set up for, you know, there are caveats probably to all the games where their leads have dissipated. You can throw in the RB Leipzig one with the red cards. Um, mm-hmm. So is it just one of those things where they just, you know, they just need to shut up shop a little bit quicker or a little bit earlier? I know scoring one nil after four minutes is not where you shut up shop for 86 yeah. minutes, but is there anything in that? Uh, tactically, as far as I could tell, there weren't any changes from Mawson. He was still in that uh, that four four two. Now, of course, he lost Ruben Vargas early in this one, uh, and yeah. we had the youngster uh, Petkov uh, come on, so that affected it a little bit. Um, you know, they they did not. Uh, it, it was it was not a good game from them at all. And I, you know, coming back to these damn officiating controversies, I really didn't appreciate. Uh, you know, all the grousing from, from Florian uh, Niederlechner and Stefan Reuter afterwards about this handball penalty from Borna Sosa. You yeah. know, they wanted to pin the excuse on that. And the fact is they just played an incredibly poor game, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, uh, you know, Herbaleo, Bauer, and Frederick Jensen who was playing it right back. Yeah, they couldn't build out of the back at all. Uh, Mads Peterson also had a poor match. Uh, Elvis Rexbahai uh, and, and uh, Carlos Buzo were booked. That had maybe a little bit something to do with their play. Uh, we should mention with Augsburg. I mean, this is this is ordinarily a gritty side. They they're leading the league in yellow cards. <laughs> you know, yeah. And, and Klaus Giasula isn't even playing for the team. What the hell's going on? Uh, so I mean. Yeah, I. They played a poor game front to back, and uh, and and Stuttgart outplayed them. Um, and Endo and Ahamada, I think both of them had close to ninety percent pass completion rates. So they just zipped right by the midfield there. Uh, mm-hmm. Contests heading for the second balls, it, it wasn't there from the Fugersteta uh, at all. It wasn't there from them at all. They played a poor game. They deserved to lose and. Yeah, more officiating controversies uh, uh, over that handball. It's it's, it's no excuse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, good stuff. We'll um, we'll go we'll go through one more game and then we'll kind of skip through the other ones in a slightly quicker uh, format. Um, just quickly, Paul Paul McGarrigy, uh from OTB uh, just tuning in to say. Great show tonight. Really interesting discussion about the ownership re-RB in Hoffenheim. So thanks very much for that, Paul. Hope you are doing well and enjoying the show, as basically has been mentioned by Ballum as well, um, kind of saying interesting structure of, of Hoffenheim and Leipzig. So, yeah, really was really interesting to go through that. So I think the other game that we can go through uh, in a little bit of detail uh, and what was really interesting uh, was the uh, late drama that we saw uh, with Union Berlin and Borussia Mönchengladbach, um, a game that 
minutes. I saw a couple of disallowed goals as well. Um, you know, rightly or wrongly, we, we obviously this VAR stuff that we've been kind of trending uh, <laughs> this week. Um, but yeah, it was an interesting match um, to which Union did trail after they had a goal disallowed uh, for the handball. Was it on Geraldo Becker? I think it was. It was um, a deflection, which I think was more or less the right call. I haven't seen all the angles from from in, all the Roos replays. Um, be interested to hear your thoughts on that in a second, Peter. But um, I think this is the first time this season that Union have staged a comeback because the other two games where they did trail against Balkan uh, last week and against Frankfurt, I think the other one was against, they obviously were not able to stage such um, such a comeback. So, um, uh, yeah, and, and both goals were, you know, from those aerial sort of threats that Union possessed. So, was it Peter of a case of Union going back to what they knew or did Gladbach allow them to kind of put those really dangerous balls into the area and, and kind of not maybe protect the goalkeeper enough, perhaps? Uh, you know, the way I saw this game, uh, of course, I mean, Union, they only know one thing. They only know uh, Royce Fisher's 3-5-2 double stack. Uh, and they are a team that does play for the quick counter. They absorb mm-hmm. pressure. They often sit deep. Uh, Bochum were able to beat them at their game last week. This week, Gladbach tried to. They tried to mirror that a little bit. Um, of course, they didn't have Manu Kone, who was suspended. So they sort of stacked uh, Lars Stindl, Christoph Kramer, and Julian Weigel uh, in the midfield. And they were able to cancel out Union's game for a time. And there was some uh, of, you know, interesting uh, uh, trickery uh, there from uh, Turan, who probably should have doubled the advantage, uh, you know, I think, uh, well, I mean, apart from the cliches of determination and grit on those two late goals, the fact that Bruce Fisher has a bench uh, that can, you know, I mean, he, he can pretty much plug anybody into that system. They know the system. They're drilled in the system. Uh, somebody like Kevin Behrens, uh, a journeyman, Zweite Bundesliga striker, he's been the hero for Union before. Uh, last year in the Conference League, as a matter yeah. of fact, twice he, he scored uh, uh, two goals. So, um, yeah, and Sven Michel, uh, Michel as well um, is another one that you can just plug right into that system. Uh, I hate to say this as a Lauton fan, but I don't think Tobias Sippel looked very strong on those goals. Uh, oh. That's that's not something that I that I like to say, but I, I think that Gladbach. Um, they're missing, you know, injuries of just crucial, crucial injuries. Koi Takora in the back. They need him back. And, of course, you need Jan Sommer. Uh, you need him. And, yep. uh, you know, it's mm, – what can I say? I mean, it was a game that was – where the two sides neutralized each other for very long stretches of time. So there was – there were there were plenty of, of – <clears throat> stretches during this game where the ball was stuck in midfield and the and the two sides were playing evenly. But uh, Gladbach eventually wore down this attempt by Daniel Faka to, to mirror their constellation. And then we have some questionable uh, uh, goalkeeping problems there towards the end. That's that's my take on it in any case. Do you, have a, do you have a different one? Not so much. No, I agree with what you said. Um, yeah, the, the goalkeeping uh, issues that ensues, uh, we've seen plenty of that 
this weekend in the Bundesliga. Uh, and, you know, historically in, in the seasons that myself and Mark have been doing this show, uh, we've not been um, exactly, you know, we've been spoiled for choice in, in some of the actions that some of the goalkeepers have produced uh, uh, at times. So, yeah, that, that's no great surprise, I think, from that point of view. And Union are just, you know, great that they found a way. Uh, great for the league, I think, as well. Um, that kind of morale boosting thing to kind of hold off the the relentless Bayern for another weekend, uh, however long it may last. Um, and by any stretch, are we calling this a title charge? We, we can for now, but you know, yeah. uh, well, whether it, yeah, whether it's a genuine one, you can see that. Uh, if you look at Union's last results, I mean, this is still a low-scoring team. This is not your fireworks team. So, uh, I mean, it's my opinion that Bayern will go into the World Cup break as uh, as leaders. They have an easier schedule in its remaining uh, matches, as do uh, and and Union uh, don't. So, yeah, hoping for a top uh, four finish from from our Kerpa Nikas, but. Um, I, I don't think they maintain the lead going into the, the World Cup break. It's it's just it's hanging by a thread. I mean, and and they can't compete with that powerhouse, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely right. Well, for for the next five minutes or so, we'll just kind of run through the other the other games in slightly less uh, greater detail and see if we can pick up anything uh, in particular. Um, obviously, Friday night uh, got us off to a, a very close start with Verda uh, just edging it. Um, with um, their fifth win of the season uh, and full Krug uh, at it again. Um, a sublime header to win um, what was a very close contest and, and Hurst's issues of not being able to find the back of that um, of that net were, you know, quite apparent again, Peter. What are we going to do? I mean, it's, it's just... You know, when you look at that roster, it's there's so much talent on it. There's so much potential on it. And I like what Schwartz has, has been trying to do tactically. I mean, the idea of putting Stevan Jovetic as a, as a short striker, a service striker, is a great idea. If the Montenegrin wasn't so bloody well injury prone. I mean, that's yeah. you're just you're seeding that. And, uh, you know, Kanga got his he, – he got off the mark uh, last week, was it? Luka Bakio, Ejuke, uh, or Ejuke, whichever way you'd like to pronounce it. He had a chance late on where, I mean, if he had just taken a couple more touches and gone towards the goal, there you got it. And you got a 1-0 lead, you know. But, I mean, let's look. Vanda are a very good team, and they got some of their key actors back this week. Um, you know, Velikovic was back there to stabilize the back line. Bittencourt was back in the lineup. Uh, you know, so that Romano Schmid could uh, uh, could operate much better. And um, this Bulgarian kid who's playing a sweeper, Ilya Guev, uh, keep that name in mind. I think second consecutive week, he's really impressed me with his maturity. We'll see, uh, you know, I think I think he's he's a name that's going to become more familiar to people now on. But it's Hanta. They try, they fail, they win. And we console them uh, every year. And uh, it's, this year is no different. We'll be phoning up our friends in Berlin to tell them that everything's going to be okay, but maybe it's not. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and, well, yeah, so uh, a run-of-the-mill win for Freiburg uh, that, you know, they looked in 
relative control against Schalke uh, under under head coach Thomas Ice. Um, obviously, he is under, or he says he's under no illusions as to the challenge that he's undertaking or, or trying to you know to go forward with. Um, just anything that Rice might be able to bring uh, tactically other than, again, what we maybe said a few weeks ago, just trying to batten down the matches a bit more? Um, I think they actually have the right coach in place. You know, they have an old school trainer who uh, knows how to, you know, seek out the, um, the, the positive attributes of seasoned players. Um, some of the calls I liked, uh, I liked uh, of having, I mean, Bota, pair with with Karaman on the flanks uh it's a shame that uh, Wijan the uh, the Dutchman got injured they've had just horrible injury luck shock I have on the, on the back line this season mm. my big thing and I've said it two weeks in a row now I'll go ahead and say it three weeks in a row now Tom Klaus um the Germany U21 international and Alex Kahl the Czech are very very talented midfielders um mm-hmm. and they need to be paired together in the sixth slot, um, like Vice did in the 4-2-3-1, whether they're good or bad, because they need to develop coordination. They, they need to learn how to set up the play. They need to learn how to make sure that these Schalke charges uh, are, you know, that there's some intuitive understanding amongst them. So what Kankama was doing was he was always separating them. And at least Rice had the good sense to keep them together, even though neither one of them really played a good match. I mean, those those two need to be your sixes, and they need to keep working through thick and thin and through through good and bad. Uh, and and beyond that, you can do a lot of different things. You can do a four four two. You can pair uh, Tavoda with Pota up front if you want. Uh, once you get to Jordan Larson back, maybe you can use him as a a service striker. Uh, there might be some slight. I mean, they're not going to get another point before the World Cup break. They're not. I mean, they're going they're going to finish uh, where they are right now. But we got an expanded transfer window. We've got uh, time for some of these injuries to heal during the long World Cup break. And we've got better teams that are going to be coming back with exhausted players, or well, mm-hmm. not exhausted, but players who are who are not creatively there. Yeah. So there's a there's a slight chance for them, just like there's a slight chance for for Bolton in yep. what we dropped this year. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, we'll round it up there. Um, just quickly, Balham's uh, referred or reminded me of, of course, the European action coming up and some big games for our Bundesliga sides uh, midweek. So yeah, obviously, good luck to, to all the teams involved. Fingers crossed very much for, for Leverkusen uh, to see if they can get themselves a Europa League berth. Frankfurt, obviously, with, the, with a really big game uh, coming up, uh, as well as uh, Union Berlin, Freiburg have already sealed their place. Uh, you know, done a smashing job. Uh, Dortmund and Bayern, uh, and obviously Leipzig have got a very big game as well. So obviously, loads of really big European matches to come uh, this week. Um, Peter, just very quickly, uh, who are we tipping to maybe make it through, or who do you think will maybe just fall short? Uh, I'm going to tip all of my beloved Bundesliga teams uh, to either get uh, a referral to the, to the lower competitions uh, or make it through. And that's that's the beauty of, uh, of being a Bundesliga, of being a German football fan, is that, uh, you know, you have your, your preferences, you have your favorites over the course of the weekend. Uh, but when it comes midweek, you're behind them all. Even Leipzig and Hoffenheim. You want to see the... Uh, uh, 
German representatives uh, uh, succeed. So I'm going to say I'm optimistic about that. I'm even optimistic about Leverkusen because they played so horribly this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> With the Chabi's um, rotations, I think they had an XG of point. One fours. I mean, good lord, they were awful, uh, and that was because of the rotation. So I think that uh, that Chabi is going to have his best on the field, and they're going to they're going to go ahead through. Yes, fingers crossed for everyone involved. Um, so yeah, just before we finish up, make sure that you uh, go over to the Twitter page to make sure that you don't miss out on any of the content that's coming out, written articles, uh, and all the different shows. Um, so head over to Over the Bar FB and Over the Bar Extra. Uh, head over to the website to check out all the articles as well, otbfootball.net. Uh, and as already mentioned, please do like the show if you enjoyed what we've been going through today. Comment uh, subsequently if you're watching at a later time. Absolutely brilliant. And subscribe to the channel so you don't miss out on any of the fantastic content that we've got coming out. Pre-World Cup, we're going to be doing as much as we possibly can do. Um, you know, we've not done a watch along for a little while, so myself and Mark are going to be on that. We'll try and do two, maybe three before the World Cup. We'll see what we can do. Um, fantasy football, you know, really important weeks ahead, so make sure you watch that on a Thursday. Uh, and all the match day vlogs. We've got one dropping again tomorrow. Mark's been out again. What? Where'd he go? Uh, he went to... Um, where did he go? Well, we'll just reveal tomorrow. Um, I can't even remember off the top of my head. Um, and he's going... man. You're a tease. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, brilliant advertising. Not not so much. Um, and he's even going to buy an Inter Milan. But uh, that will come, obviously, in, in the days uh, ahead. But so much coming uh, from the show. So please do keep an eye out for it. Uh, and everything else from the channel as well. So that's it from Peter and myself. Uh, so have a lovely evening, everyone. Have a happy Halloween, and we'll catch you in the next one. <laughs>